Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, presented by Living Stream Ministry. These life studies explore every book in the Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. These messages unveil how the scriptures can be living and more than mere doctrine to man. Today, we bring you recorded excerpts of Witness Lee's original speaking, along with some of our own comments and thoughts. If you have questions, please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. Once again, the Apostle Paul is given an opportunity to speak during his two-year imprisonment at the hands of the corrupt Roman government. And with his wisdom and knowledge of Roman law and custom, he likely could have talked his way out of this difficult situation. But he chooses instead not to say all the right things in order to gain his freedom but rather boldly testifies of the vision of the resurrected Christ that he has seen and who charged him with the marvelous commission of the New Testament ministry. Stay with us today for a rich and enlightening life study of the Bible with Witness Lee. This program is furnished by Living Stream Ministry. And again today we will bring you recorded excerpts from the spoken ministry of Witness Lee, who together with Watchman Nee in China in the 1920s and 30s preached the gospel in mainland China and also, under the leading of the Spirit of Jesus, established New Testament churches. Francis Ball is back with us once again today as we look into Acts chapter 26. Welcome, Brother Francis. I appreciate that you'd stop by and spend some of your time with us for another classic life study message from Acts. Always happy to be here, Chris. Francis, today we're going to look particularly at one verse in chapter 26. And this verse is critical in understanding not only the message today, but really the balance of this life study of Acts. This is Acts 26, verse 18, Francis, and it reads, To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the authority of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. This is really a marvelous verse, and it's the substance of the whole message today, Francis. Very good. We like to be under this kind of ministry, Francis, one that opens our eyes and turns us from darkness to light and brings us to both forgiveness of sins and to our inheritance. We do have this kind of ministry before us, don't we, Francis? Yes, Chris, this verse you just read really contains the content of Paul's commission. That is, to bring us into the light, out from under Satan's authority, to enjoy the forgiveness of sins, and best of all, to enter into our inheritance in Christ. We do appreciate so much the blessing of this ministry, which emphasizes the heavenly ministry of Christ. Of course, we certainly appreciate what we have in the earthly ministry of Christ, but the commission given to Paul is to carry us on to experience the riches of Christ in his heavenly ministry. We shouldn't be kept just in the beginning stages, but we should be allowed and even impressed and encouraged to go on to experience the heavenly ministry of Christ as is unfolded in this verse. Francis, we have a marvelous life study, a few short portions from Witness Lee today. Let's join the first one now. The Lord promised all that he will deliver him out from the people. 
and from the Gentiles, the Lord told Paul, I sent you to open mainly the eyes of the Gentile and to turn the Gentile from darkness to light and from the authority of Satan to God that they may receive, the Gentiles may receive forgiveness of sins and even an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. My could realize we need many messages on this one verse. This is the contents of Paul's commission. Number one, to open people's eyes. The first thing in our ministry of Christ should be to open people's eyes. I think you all have the experience. Too many times you listen to a sermon. The more you listen, the more you are in a opaque situation. Before listening, you were clear. <laughs> the more you listen, the more got uh, darkened. You've been brought into a opaque cell. But sometimes, uh -huh, when you listen to a word, the day dawns. Something shining, something shining that you begin to see. You begin to see. This is that that message is opening your eyes. Following the eyes being opened, there will be a turn. This turn is what we mean to transfer. Turn from darkness. A transfer from darkness into light. And a transfer from the sword of Satan to God. What a turn. What a turn. Darkness. A sword of Satan. On the next side in which we were. But now it transferred out of the darkness, out of the sword of Satan, into light and God. And we have to know that darkness is actually the sword of Satan. When you are in darkness, you are under the satanic authority. How about light? Light is just God. When you are in the light, you are in God. First young does say, God is light. And Satan is darkness. Darkness and Satan are just one. Light and God are one. The biggest transfer is from darkness to light. When James in 21 was promoting that kind of old junk, he was all together in darkness. Wasn't he? He was all together in darkness. Brother, tens of thousands, believers are zealous all for the law. What a word in darkness. He was blinded, full of blindness. He was in darkness, no doubt. As he was in darkness, he was under the authority of Satan. Don't think I'm too much. But Paul in the light was in danger to be pulled from that back to darkness. Actually, he went into darkness for those six days. Francis, I think that you and I have to agree that what we heard in this section coincides with our own experience. Many times we hear a message or a sermon, and even though it's quite eloquent and well-delivered, it has the effect of just bringing us into more confusion and a more darkened state than before we heard it. At other times, we're really ushered right to Christ, into a deeper and richer enjoyment or appreciation of Him. What is responsible for the extreme difference between these two, Francis? Is it something in us or is it the speaker? 
Well, it may be, Chris, uh, something on the side of both, the speaker and the listener. To really get the nourishment from the spoken word, it must be given with the light of God's economy. That is, God's purpose. It really needs to be given in the light of God's economy. That is, God's purpose, which is to dispense himself into us by the ministry of his word. All too often, Chris, what is spoken in Christian messages is either given as a dead letter, which as Second uh, Corinthians 3, 6 says, kills. The letter kills. Of course, if that's the case, this is the responsibility of the speaker. This same verse in Second Corinthians says also, but the Spirit gives life. So the speaker must be one who exercises his human spirit, which is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, in order to minister life to the hearers. This is not just a matter of teaching some doctrine or stirring up some emotional excitement, but the imparting of Christ as the Spirit by means of the word spoken, which must be in accordance with the entire teaching of the apostles. This teaching is the teaching of the entire New Testament, so that every part of the New Testament teaching agrees together, and the New Testament interprets itself. I believe, Chris, we realize that there is a big shortage in today's preaching which fails to bring the listeners into the light of the New Testament revelation. On the other hand, the responsibility for being brought into darkness and confusion can be on the side of the listener. When one comes to just hear some good stories or interesting events or some current events, but fails to open his heart and his spirit to what's being given, he could easily excuse himself saying, I just don't understand what the speaker's talking about. The Bible makes it very clear that the natural man, that is, the man who is just engulfed with his own concepts and is listening to see if what is being said fits into his previous religious thought, he could easily dismiss life-giving truth because of his religious teaching. It's not right to expect the speaker to be the only one who is exercising his spirit to deliver the word. The listener also needs to use his spirit to receive the word which is spoken. In other words, the speaker must be strong in spirit to be able to cause the listener to open up his inner being to receive the word. And the listener must open up his being to receive the word. So both the speaker and we, the listener, have a responsibility to have an exercised and ready spirit to receive light and nourishment from God's Word, don't we? Yes, and even to make it more clear, I believe uh, the biggest responsibility rests with the speaker because so many people are led astray, not getting full truth. They just get shallow speaking or something that has to do with the world situation and not with the Bible. So we are happy to be under a ministry that emphasizes everything according to the Bible. This uh, was a marvelous point, Francis. I think we are both well aware, as are our listeners, that you frequently uh, hear this one or that one, and particular speakers have a favorite emphasis, and that's really where their expertise and their strength uh, of understanding lies, and so they're continually going back to that same portion again and again. But the real New Testament ministry is the whole unveiled ministry of the New Testament, isn't it? This is what we must have today or we'll be left in darkness and confusion. 
Francis, let's go back to Witness Lee for our second portion today. Eyes first open, then we have return, the transfer from darkness and satanic authority to light. That is God himself that they may receive forgiveness of sins. The real forgiveness, the perfect, complete forgiveness of sin comes from such an eye-opening and such a transfer. You must have such eye-opening with such a transfer from dark, from Satan, to light, to God, that you may receive a perfect, complete forgiveness of sin. Not only such a thing on the negative side, something on the positive side, that is an inheritance. What is this? When I was young, I was told, they have a dimension with golden straight, pearl days, that will be our inheritance. I was taught so. After over 50 years study of the Bible, I found out this inheritance is just Christ as the embodiment of the process of child God. Is the portion of the saint. Colossians 1 tells us so. There in Colossians 1, we are told that we, the Christians, the believers, all have a portion. All have a lot. And that lot actually belongs to the same family of the word inheritance. And inheritance is a lot. And a lot is a portion. This is just like the allotment of the good land to the twelve tribes of Israel. Every tribe got a piece of land. And that piece of land is a lot. And that lot is an inheritance. And we know the good land was a type of the all-inclusive Christ given to us as our inheritance. So Christ is the inheritance. And who is the very embodiment of the process trying God? Actually, dear saints, our inheritance is the process trying God, who is fully embodied in this all-inclusive person, Christ, eventually the life-giving spirit. This inheritance we receive among those who have been sanctified. By faith in me, that means in Christ. To be sanctified positionally is only to have a change in position and usage. To be sanctified dispositionally is to be transformed in nature by and with the holy nature of God. Sanctification is a saturation with God as our possession for our enjoyment today. This is all together subjective and practical. Not a kind of objective teaching. It will consummate in our maturity in the divine life that we may resemble God and be qualified to fully possess and enjoy Him as our inheritance in the coming age and for eternity. It's really good. 
Francis, this is a marvelous section, and I think to help us fully get into it, uh, it would be good to read a short portion from a tremendous footnote in the recovery version of the Bible, then I'd ask you to comment. Again, this footnote is from verse 18, we're in chapter 26, and this is on Paul's utterance when he's speaking to Agrippa, and speaking of his commission from the Lord to turn people from darkness to light, that they may receive both forgiveness and an inheritance. Francis, here's the footnote. This inheritance is the triune God himself with all he has, all he has done, and all he will do for his redeemed people. The triune God is embodied in the all-inclusive Christ, who is the portion allotted to the saints as their inheritance. Francis, Christians talk a lot about receiving forgiveness, and that's present in this verse. But we don't hear too much about this marvelous inheritance, do we? Yes, Chris, that's uh, sadly true. We fallen humans generally are mostly concerned about our own safety and our own security. We're too occupied with sins. Of course, that is a matter that must be dealt with, and we all realize that we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and that we need forgiveness. But that has been taken care of by the death of Christ on the cross, thoroughly washing away our sins in His own blood. Now, this is not God's primary goal, however. The forgiveness of our sins is only a provision, or you might say a procedure, to bring us into God's real intention. God wants to possess us, to indwell us, to give us Himself by imparting, transfusing, dispensing His very self into us. Our inheritance here is not some outward blessing like a a good wife, a new house, a new car, or some material blessing. The inheritance is just as you read, God Himself. Not just to do something outward for us so that we could escape condemnation. He settled that at the cross, and we are forgiven just by believing in Him. But He wants to be everything to us. He wants to be our life. He wants to be our person. He wants to be everything. So this inheritance mentioned in Colossians 1.12 is Christ Himself. By receiving Christ initially, we're not only cleansed and forgiven of our sins, but we're also born of God with His life. He who is the very embodiment of the triune God indwells our spirit. So we inherit God Himself. That's a wonderful footnote that you read. And it's worth the price of the recovery version just to get this one footnote. We have a vast inheritance, Chris, full of the riches of all that Christ is, all that He has, all He's done, all He is doing and will do. Francis, this certainly is not to depreciate the forgiveness that we have in Christ. We cherish and love that supremely. Absolutely. But we don't want to emphasize that to the exclusion of the balance of this rich and marvelous inheritance. We need the whole story. We need the whole story. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Now, in verse 22, Paul admitted that having obtained the help which is from God, I have stood unto this day. He didn't say, I have lived to this day. You may live in a poor way, lying there, weeping pitifully. But he said, I have stood. That means I've been standing. I've been standing in front of the commander. I've been standing in front of Felix. I've been standing in front of Festus. Now, Agrippa, 
I am still standing in front of you. Then he said, I testified both to small and great, testifying things, saying nothing apart from the things which both the prophets and Moses said were about to take place, I am more than scripture. Then that Christ should suffer, this is the prophecy by prophet Moses, that Christ should suffer, and that he first from the resurrection of the dead should announce light both to the people and to the Gentiles. You know why she used the word light instead of life? Because she was in a dark cell. All the religious people are in that dark cell. All the Roman politicians are in that dark cell. The situation by then was altogether a darkness. So he preached light. He preached light. That he first, from the resurrection of the dead, should announce light both to the people and to the Gentiles. He was saying these things in his defense. First said with a loud voice, you are insane, Paul. Your great learning is driving you insane. That means you are crazy. Your great learning. You are too great a scholar. Then Paul said, I am not insane. I am not crazy. I am very sober. And I am very sober. Most excellent Festus. Surely Paul was a good speaker. I think <laughs> we have to all learn of him. But I am uttering words of truth and superness. I am not crazy. For the king, Agrippa, knows about these things. Because Agrippa was a Jew. He knew the things of the prophets. He knew the things of Moses, to whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things has been hidden from him, from King Agrippa. For this has not been done in a corner. That means, Agrippa, what I have done, you have heard already. Yeah, one of the Jews. Then Paul said, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. He really believed because he was a Jew. He was a Jew in religion, so he believed all the prophets. And Agrippa replied to Paul by a little talk, Are you persuading me to become a Christian? Very interesting. And Paul said, I would to God that both by little and by much, I don't care, not only you, but also all those who hear me today may become such as even I am, Amen. except for this bond. I like you to receive blessing. I don't like you to be bound. It's very good. Very, very eloquent. Francis, we really have to love this portion of the word, and we have to love our brother Paul. Here, ostensibly, he's making his own defense, but actually it seems like he's trying his best to persuade these two high Roman government officials to believe in the marvelous triune God. Francis, he had such a bold spirit to speak in this way. How can we have such a spirit? Chris, if we really want such a spirit, we can have it. But don't think that Paul is the only one who has such a spirit. He reminded Timothy, you know, that such a spirit was in him. He told Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of cowardice, but of power and of love 
and of a sober mindedness. We just need to exercise such a spirit that we have within us, which is one with the Holy Spirit. He also told Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God which is in him. You do this by exercising your spirit to call on the name of the Lord, to pray, to really even pray-read the Word of God. All these things strengthen our spirit and give us boldness. This inheritance that we have received really is the all-inclusive spirit of the triune God mingled with our spirit. We just have to use our spirit, and we will experience the boldness like Paul had. Francis, is this the meaning of Paul's word to Timothy, to fan into flame that which you have received? That's really what I think he means, that we don't uh, just let this thing lie there. This is real, not a thing. This is God himself indwelling us in our spirit. So we fan it into flame by praying, by exercising, by fellowshipping, by reading the Word. These are ways we can fan into flame the gift that's in us. Well, we have seen Paul in many aspects as an example for us. Uh, certainly, probably none more inspiring than this very portion. Uh, marvelous life study from the book of Acts again, Francis, and appreciate your help and fellowship. And I also would like to echo your uh, word of encouragement regarding the recovery version from where we took the footnote today, and, and we frequently do. Uh, I think you and I would stand together and recommend the recovery version of the New Testament with these 9,000-plus footnotes by Witness Elite that really unlock verse-by-verse verse the treasures that are hidden in these passages. I surely treasure this recovery version. It's my companion all the days. Once again, that's the recovery version of the New Testament by Witness Lee, published by Living Stream. And while we're on the topic of printed material, let's point out again that the life study message that we were talking about and fellowshipping about today is included in volume number four of the Life Study of Acts. This four-volume set includes all 72 life study messages printed and bound together in very, very handsome volumes. To receive these, to get information about the recovery version, other publications, or just to ask questions or leave comments, once again, our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And you can send your email to us to radio at lsm.org. We hope you'll join us again for the Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. For Francis Ball today, I'm Chris Weil. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788. 
or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.